Many of you know I've been a student of world music for most of my life. You can look up the band Songs of Water, which I started years ago, and hear some of the music I've created in this genre. So when I was given the opportunity to converse with an Afghan composer whose music is deeply rooted in his cultural tradition and yet reaches beyond into new and innovative experimentations, I leapt at the chance. Today, I have the honor of introducing you to Kais Esser. Kais Esser is a contemporary Afghan composer, instrumentalist, and producer who channels his melodic designs through the rabab, a 2,500-year-old instrument from Afghanistan. Kais has toured extensively, sharing his new genre of music both nationally and internationally. He has contributed original music to feature film and television, composing for 2021's Oscar-nominated film, Three Songs for Benazir, as well as The Breadwinner, produced by Angelina Jolie. In this episode, I talk with Kais about his musical upbringing, the deeper motivations found within Afghan music, and how his identity as an artist is both informed by and transcends his cultural and musical heritage. Kai shares his deep connection to this ancient instrument and how the rabab has become an extension of his own voice. And for those listeners following along with our season 12 theme of art and identity, I think you'll find this conversation to be a beautiful contribution on how culture, tradition, and innovation are intricately intertwined in the journey of artistic discovery. I'm your host, Stephen Roach, and this is the Makers and Mystics podcast, the podcast for the art-driven seekers of truth and lovers of life. Kais, what an honor to have you on the Makers and Mystics podcast today. Thank you for joining me, my friend. Yeah, I'm here for it. Let's go. Well, tell me a bit about when you began playing the rabab. What drew you to this instrument? And were you a musician beforehand or did you just begin playing the rabab? How did this journey begin for you? Okay. So for me, um, I grew up in a musical household, you know. And uh, music was a way for, you know, those of us that were away from home to still feel like you have some of that home with you. And so I come from a family of immigrants. And um, that's the one thing that I remember early on was we would just, you know, um, have these gatherings and celebrate being with each other with music. And from there, I understood that this was a greater form of expression, you know, because words can only go so far. Right. And there are certain feelings that you have. And it's like even the English language, it's not even English, it's whatever. It's like, you know, it's like, for example, when you refer to having that lump in your throat, you know, when you're like, the precipice of crying. You know, you have this lump. What a, like, there's so much more to that feeling. There's, there's anxiety, there's, but it's like, 
you know, to encapsulate it in just that shows you the extent of what language can emote, right? And so this is where, for me, music was something that was a little bit more. And for me, growing up, I was just quiet. And on top of that, I, you know, I had to go to ESL. On top of that, I had this like stuttering problem. So I couldn't speak very well of anything. Uh, and so music was uh, the ultimate form of expression for me. I started learning music formally at six. Wow. And from then, it was I was like one of those like savant types. I just started to learn everything uh, with with pretty good proficiency. You know, it started with studying the music of both Western classical music, but then also Indian classical music. Afghan classical music being a sub-branch of the greater Indian classical music. So I started with, on the Western side, I started with violin. And on the um, Eastern side, I started with tambur, which is the predecessor of, um, of your modern day um, sitar. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I just started to just play everything. And I would go from one instrument to one instrument. I would go from, you know, the violin to the guitar and then to piano and all this stuff. And there was a proficiency that developed early on, but there was something missing. And this is something I've talked about like a lot in these interviews and stuff. And it's always so, so <laughs> corny sounding and so cheesy, but it is what it is. I, I remember getting a rebab at a young age and there was something about the sound. It completely enveloped me. It made me feel whole. Like it's just, it was the missing thing. a rebab shaped hole right here and we never knew what went in it so it wasn't more or less me able me being able to play all of these i'm in a room surrounded by instruments but the one where more or less i chose to represent my own voice like forego my own voice and have the rebab speak for me mm -hmm. that's how it began that the rebab became an extension of your voice and you had talked about you know some of your own challenges with stuttering or even finding your voice in some ways and that the rebab kind of became that extension so it seems like your relationship with this instrument is a really in-depth relationship i love how you put there was a rebab shaped hole <laughs> uh within you that it kind of filled and I'm always curious to know more about how the art forms that we gravitate to, how they take shape in our lives and how they become 
that voice or, or such an integral part of who we are. I'd love to hear more from you just about the place that the Rabab plays in your life. Would you consider it a spiritual connection that you have with this instrument? What language would you use to describe some of what you experience in playing the Rabab? It's multi-tiered. So if I, uh, just speaking on the last note, it serves as this spiritual gateway because of the origins of the music, right? And so um, our practice is is almost considered a form of worship, mm-hmm. right? So considering that the, um, uh, the origins of just Indian classical music, right? How it started off as Vedic prayers. Uh, so, and then if you look at it, you know, take a more like esoteric look about like, what is music, mm-hmm. right? Um, in, in Indian classical music, there's a concept of Nad Brahma, mm-hmm. which is the voice of God, right? And um, if you look at a lot of your popular cultures and or religions that I believe that sound was at the beginning of the inception of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. In uh, in the Judeo-Christian faith, God said, be, and it was. Mm-hmm. In, in the Islamic faith, uh, you know, God said, kun. And with um, Hinduism, and if you look at these other cultures, the, sound, the universe started with sound. Mm-hmm. And so sound and music, it's, uh, it's perception. There's sounds that we hear that we perceive uh, as music due to our conditioning that someone else may not. So if you look at this original sound as music, then music was, music birthed the universe. And so mm-hmm. when you approach music like that, uh, it is a it is a spiritual vehicle. Uh, our practice is a spiritual duty. You know, it's just like prayer. I remember being told as a child that the masters or ustads would perform ablutions before they would practice, just as if they were before they were praying, because. Wow. It, it's the same purity that's involved. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, just looking at the time of day we're prescribed to do our practices, right? And that's just at the break of dawn. And like, again, looking at different cultures, this is a time um, and different faiths where the veil is the thinnest. Right, so I, I come from a Muslim background. My dad used to tell me, like, "This is when, when, when all of God's angels are out and about." You know, in Punjabi, uh, you would re- refer to this as Amrit Vela. It's a sweet time, right? Because mm-hmm. there is this whatever avenue is available to, you know, anything bigger. I, I suppose, is just more clear. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go into it more, but it is, it is very much um, 
worship in a form, you know? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So beautiful. On top of that, for me, identity-wise, you know, the Rabat was a way for me to reclaim my identity and reintroduce people, introduce people to become an ambassador of sorts for this place that no one really knew anything about aside from what is given to you in uh, media. And that's that, oh, it's this, uh, I think Biden said it was a godforsaken place, uh, like just some dust bowl um, that is just, you know, mm-hmm. full of fundamentalism and uh, whatever, right? That's all you hear. Why? Because that's what's sexy. That's what sells, violence. Sex. These are the things (laughs) that make money and this is the stuff that that people want to focus on. And so for me, especially, like, especially after that, you know, the 9-11 where, you know, I went from being this culturally ambiguous kid to being one of them overnight. Wow. I didn't really understand. I didn't understand because I only ever knew what I know about us. You know, and I had to learn about what the rest of the world knew or didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in the beginning of my career, that was, um, I think, at the forefront of what I needed to do. And it felt like a responsibility, like I needed, I need to to educate people, you know, without, for lack of a better term, um, to show people that, you know, uh, this is not a place of X, Y, and Z, but of um, art and music and, uh, you know, uh, like a place that was very recently in history referred to as the Paris of Asia. So it, it was, uh, I had a very, uh, you know, socio-political agenda at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, it helped me find my own, uh, find my own way. You know, we're, we're growing every day. I'm not done growing. Mm-hmm. And continue to, you know, working, working in, in different contexts and meeting different people and mm-hmm. trying to dispel whatever uh, stereotypes someone might have had, you know? Yeah. I remember early on, I'd be touring places and a lot of these people were meeting an Afghan person in, in real life for the first time, let, let alone, you know, Rabab or, or this music. And so, you know, being able to have that, it's not power, but it's, you're in a position when you're, you're able to maybe change someone's perspective on something. And, uh, for me, that was important in the beginning. You know, I don't really care as much anymore, <laughs> just because um, I think a lot of that also came from insecurity. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm a person. Um, I have to figure out who I am and how that fits being here. You know, encountering ideas and or people that may not support the idea of that of you being here you know so Mm -hmm. yeah you know now more or less it's 
it's a place kind of in between, you know, I'm doing what, what I'm doing. And for me now, it's about, it's about um, creating an avenue, uh, like, you know, a, a vehicle for this instrument to be able to go into the 21st century and to be enjoyed by generations beyond me. And, you know, that's what I've been trying to do. I've, uh, in my whole career, I've um, thus far, you know, I've done all these firsts and that's to ensure that, right? I, you know, and, and I'm just trying things, trying to see where it fits. You know, I've done, I've done concerts with just a French horn. <laughs> I've done, uh, I have tracks with like, you know, Moog synthesizers. Uh, I, uh, I played with the, the Oxford Philharmonic like three months ago. Yeah, at this point, I don't think you could like write the history of this instrument without me. So much of what you're saying strikes my interest, you know, hearing you talk about this relationship between tradition and innovation is the way that I hear that. And then as well, you know, just the role of place in shaping our identity, but then also transcending place with some of the sounds that you're creating. And one thing that I'd be curious to hear you talk about is how, you know, you're taking this instrument and this art form that has such a depth and such a richness of expression. It's, you know, rooted in a cultural heritage and a cultural legacy, and yet you're making it accessible in a new context. And I'd be curious to know how you maintain some of that depth and richness in these new spaces, you know? And I guess, you know, we could even talk about this is an age of content creation. It seems like right now we need the latest update every day. People are creating for likes and people are creating for arbitrary responses, but the instrument and the music you play, it calls for more of a depth. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about what that's like creating in this age of content, but carrying an instrument with such depth and heritage. You know, that's something that I find myself talking about a lot, and that's, um, you know, content versus art. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm always <laughs> ranting about this uh, specific <laughs> topic. And that is being in an age where, where there's a confluence now of of um, art and content, where the artist now has to keep up with a content creator. Not that I'm saying that you know there's no artists among content creators, but you have to to understand that you have to understand the difference between art and entertainment. And this is something that I was taught at a very young age, at a very young age. I was told there will be a day where you're you can make a decision. You can make a choice. You can be an artist or you can be an entertainer. Two very different roles. One person might be celebrated, one you you know, you get money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The other person might change the world. Might change history. And and if you just think about the way that you consume art, you know, uh there's this one example that I like to use and that's 
paintings in a museum. You know, you go into a museum to see some fine art and you don't just like walk through and blow by every single painting. It's a process, you know, you observe something and it's almost like it observes you. And then there's this exchange, you know, and there's this whole, there's this whole uh, synergy. There's, uh, there's something, there's, there's this intimate reaction. I feel like when you come across art and it's something that, uh, that breathes, you know, it's something that's alive and it's something that touches you at a level where entertainment doesn't mm-hmm. entertainment it, uh like you know i tap my foot or something it's it's in the it's it's in lieu of silence right it's something that is just there to please someone it's not necessarily provoking and so if you look at content content is entertainment it has its place is it is it something provoking? Is it something that's life-changing? Is it something that's going to inspire generations? Uh-huh. I haven't seen a meme that could do that yet. I mean, personally, right? But when you look at art, art is different. Art is exactly that. Art is provoking. Art can inspire a generation. Art ends wars. And so we live in this really weird in-between gray area now Mm -hmm. where people have the same expectation almost as these artists that they have of these entertainers. And like, I'm sorry, the gestation process is different, (laughs) right? I'm not knocking content creation. It's a, it's something that is very taxing. It takes a lot of work. It's something that you do every single day because it's it's very demanding. But I mean, I can only speak for for, for myself. Like I can't create like that, mm-hmm. right? And I can't put out an album every single month. That level of you know being prolific is just something I haven't been able to attain yet. And if that's what it takes now to be a content or to like live in the age of content, mm-hmm. it's something it's something we're gonna have to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen I've seen people like I'm I am I'm seeing people trying to figure it out and it's awkward. This is like puberty, man. It sucks. <laughs> right. But what do you do? Like my own colleagues now, like you know, that revere this music um, and are revered by people and they'll be on like TikTok, like just, you know, hey, this is a tub, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then like using all the fonts and stuff and all this. And it's like, and I'm, and I understand, I swear, I like, it's not, I'm not judging because I, I know, I know we're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. We're all in this and it's like, it's very uncomfortable to be quite honest. <laughs> so we're not gonna see you doing a TikTok dance with the Rabab anytime soon? Oh God, I mean, it's just, yeah. See, it's stuff like this. I'm supposed, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's people that have like, there's another point that I've talked about in the past like year, year and a half. And that's about 
just taking TikTok, right? Look at the influence that TikTok has had on popular music,、mm-hmm. right? And so, specifically, the duration of music. There is music now that is specifically designed just for TikTok that's one minute long,、mm. mm-hmm. a minute and, and a half long, because that's, because that's the, the demographic now, right?、Mm-hmm. TikTok streams. So let's just put it all in. Let's just put it all in a minute and a half so that it all fits within whoever's reel.、Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a new, like a new frontier, I guess, right? And like I said, I'm just here learning. But this is like these, these things are affecting music and the、mm-hmm. way that music is being made. And it hasn't even been that many years. And people are already adjusting in ways that are, I guess, weird, but. If you look at the single format, right? It was the 45、yeah. that made it kind of popular for it to be like, all right, well, it has to be like, you know, about four minutes or so. And that way,、uh, and I guess this is just evolution, and I'm just an <laughs> old man and I'm just angry about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a journey for sure, but I love this conversation about content and the creation of art. I think that's a, that's a real concern for a lot of artists to grapple with, that all of us are grappling with. Like you said, we're all in it. What kind of response do you get? From those that may be from more of a traditional Afghani heritage that might not favor some of the innovation that you've done with your music, or have you gotten a good response for the innovation that you've done with this instrument? I think in general, it's been, it's been very good.、Um, in general, just speaking for. Speaking for my community, for those that may have grown up in the West and didn't really have that cultural tie to the music andor the instruments, it became a bridge. That's beautiful. Because it's in a context that they're familiar with, right? And,、um, you know, whether being like, you know, I've done like lo fi jazz hop, this last、um, EP is like, Americana music, and、um, it's in a way where they now can also、um, identify with it because it's also from here, but it's also from there.、Mm-hmm. Um, for people that may not have any prior uh, uh, history with the Rabab or may not have known what it was, I've become a portal for them to. Maybe go check out some of、uh, what inspires me. And that's, that is, you know,、uh, some more of the、uh, traditional music. And so, in that way, I can use this to not only introduce like my own people to more of like、uh, parts of their culture they may not have been aware of, but people in general. What advice would you give to other artists or musicians that want to maintain a root 
in their cultural heritage, whether it's, you know, an artistic form, a musical style, a religious practice, whatever it may be, but at the same time, seek to create beyond the limitations of the past. I'd be curious to know what you might say to those emerging artists in that place. My first gut answer would be to respect and to revere the music. And from that, whatever you do is with good intentions, right? But as soon as I thought about that, I thought about the fact that someone else still might disagree. <laughs> and so I think it's more or less about your personal relationship mm -hmm. with that. Know that you're coming from a place of love and respect and then just not paying any attention to what anyone else says and expressing yourself to the fullest. Because your music is supposed to be first that. It's supposed to be a representation of you and what you have to say, mm -hmm. right? And that should be unfiltered. Yes. You know, you have, uh, especially if we're talking about this kind of, you know, this case specifically, you know, something like the Daraba, which is thousands of years old. I uh, I think it's obvious I have, um, you know, a love and respect for this instrument, but maybe some of the stuff that I've done on it may not be very attractive to someone from an older generation, right? And they'd be like, oh, well, what is he doing on that? In his eyes, I could be doing something wrong, but like I said, I'm coming from good intentions. That's good. Well, Kais, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today on the Makers and Mystics podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing more of your music and connecting with you in the upcoming days. So thank you for being here with me. Cool, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This episode was produced by me, Stephen Roach. Be sure to see the show notes of this episode for links to Kais Esser, as well as how you can join the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective. If you've been inspired by this or other Makers and Mystics episodes, please consider helping us continue this work of advocating for the arts by becoming a patron today. For as little as $1 to $10 a month, you can help me continue this work of offering these conversations to the world. Makers and Mystics is an independent, self-funded, and patron-funded endeavor. That means your generosity enables me to continue creating. As a patron, you'll receive exclusive interview segments, participation in our online book clubs, and opportunities to connect with other like-minded artists from around the world. See the show notes of this episode or visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics to learn more. We'll see you again next week. And until then, my friends, keep creating. The world needs your art.